0: I was brought up curious mind, always be learning. If you want something, go get it. And so uh, I I just followed those principles, which is, you know, came from my parents, I would say. And uh, at that stage, I didn't want I pictured myself in the future. And I didn't want to look back and say, you didn't take this chance, because you were scared. you know, you know this is a chance for you and at that point everybody was fine on the home front when i decided to go do it i just said i got it. i have to do this for me so that later on i can say you wanted to try something yes you're, <laughs> it was it certainly was a risk and it was it was a lot i drove across the country by myself and um you know i had a nice soft land i had someone that i knew there but i figured that i could do it and i didn't want the regrets later to say you didn't try and what if you had tried that what would have happened if you tried that i don't want to say those words
1: Welcome to another episode of Ad Blocking with Jason Dwayne Smith. The world around us is, well, different. We're living in a time to test all of our boundaries and beliefs. It's not always easy. And sometimes, talking about ads is the last thing any of us want to do. Ad Blocking is a podcast, a safe space where real people, real marketers, talk about everything. But advertising. Stories of growing up, coming out, falling down, and looking in. Underneath it all, we're all just humans. In today's episode, I speak with Marla Skaiko, U.S. and global head of media at Ford Motor Company. Beyond Marla's work at Ford, she's one of Chicago's most respected marketers, a great mom, and a change agent. Marla someone who's always got a smile on her face but more importantly always looking for a better way, always curious, and always motivating herself and those around her to not settle. In our discussion, Marla and I talk about the influence of her parents and her values, the way that she was brought up, and the impact on her life and work each day, the challenges yet opportunities of being a mom and rising up the ranks now and into the future. And also the concept of regret, what it means to her and how it's motivated her to accomplish so much in her life and career. Marla's one of the kindest people in our industry. I'm still humbled by her time and insight. I hope you all enjoy the conversation as much as I did. And with that, let's dive in. setter but this year has pivoted everyone's perspective. It's shifted the way that we behave, how we interact, how we think. You've got a very rich story which I want to talk about today but I like to begin these conversations asking my friends how was 2020 affected you It's been a lot some good, some bad you know some you know somewhere in the middle of the road. but I would just love to hear a little bit more from you about, how this year has impacted you and affected the way that you contribute to the world.
0: Yeah, sure. Well, uh, probably universally, people are telling you that, you know, this has been a a challenging year on so many fronts for all of us. I mean, it was nothing that anybody, sometimes, you know, you're headed into a challenge, you know, this is going to be a hard year for me. You know, I started a new job or I'm going to have a baby or I'm going through some kind of a life change. But I think that this, was this year is so different in that it's universally affected everybody and at the same time and with no preparation. I mean mm. nobody really understood what was what was coming and we've all had to adjust. And I think it's sort of miraculous when you look around and you realize that we really have figured out how to adjust. It's just the definition of resilience. Mm. You know, we've had the chance to say okay, there's a lot here that's going to be super challenging and there's a lot of anxiety. There's a lot of stress. You know, if you have kids, you're already worried. You're doubly worried. If you have older parents, you're already worried. Now you're doubly worried. Um, but I think it's, it's made us stop and think and say, okay, we, we can either spin on this and be, you know, endlessly stressed out um, which that will always be there to a certain degree, but then it's okay. What can we do to make this better? And I think that's, that's been so helpful because we are all having, I feel like I'm having more dialogue with friends who are like, okay, let's work on this together. Should we be talking more? Should we be live more? Should we get off our devices and not stare at screens? Or even if we are like, let's we'll go for a walk together on the phone. It We've found ways to connect with each other and maybe with our family members and people that we work with, coworkers, friends in new ways, because I think that's, Helps us get through this. We got into it, and now we're getting through it universally. So I, that's that's been really interesting for me to see that we're capable of that, and we just have to remind ourselves: all right, how do we how do we make the lemonade? You know, we've got some lemons here, but how do we make the lemonade?
1: Well, you used the word uh, adjust, and if you don't mind, I like to evolve that word into maybe agility being agile. Mm-hmm. And I very specifically thought about you for this discussion and this sort of journey I'm on because you started the year with one vision. <laughs> and that vision involved, gosh, maybe I'll be on planes every day. Maybe I'll and then and then it was whoa I've got to adjust because that ain't what I'm going to be doing right now. You know? Right. And then also, you know, You also came into the year with completely refocus on your work, your personal life, a lot of new things. So I love to talk a little bit about how this year has tested your ability to be agile. Because you, I have to imagine the playbook you wrote for 2020, it ain't (laughs) the play that actually got run. So I just wanted to hear from you a little bit about how that word agility has played a role in this year for you.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I didn't really expect it in some ways. This has been kind of a gift for me <clears throat> because this is, I did, I started a new job as you well, you're well aware. I started a new job in January uh, and I signed on to commute. I was going to commute out of state, which is something that I had never really thought that I would do beforehand, but it's a great role. It's a great job. And I said, sure, you know, three days a week I'll be in Dearborn, Michigan. And then two days a week I'll work from home which is a pretty doable balance. Yep. So I was, I was on a plane every single week and I was going back and forth. And, uh, you know, it was tough Monday mornings. Whoa. I mean, I was up at three thirty four in the morning. Cause I started, I wanted to start my work day, like a normal work day and not lose a whole Monday. So I would walk in the door uh at you know 9 30 or 10 o'clock and that's sometimes how people walk in the door if they live in their home city (laughs) (laughs) so that was a lot of pressure so those days Monday was really tough um but it got better from there because I had almost no commute when I was in town Mm. Uh, but then you know that only lasted two months so you know, after, and then after that, it's like everybody else I've been from home, but you know, the, the great thing about that is it's probably less exhausting on, on me physically because I'm at home and I'm super productive and I'm avoiding that back and forth. Uh, so, so I'm really grateful about that. But then, you know, the only downside is you, I didn't get to meet as many people in person. Hmm. Hmm. so it's, it's both, it's, it's a blessing. And then it's also forced me to figure out ways to get to know people when you don't meet them in person. And that's a challenge I never really thought who would think that that's something you're going to take on. Totally. You're going to start a new job. You need to get to know people, get, get them to feel comfortable with you, trust you, you know, believe in you, uh, want to, want to pick up the phone and call you, but they've never met you in person. And oh, so. Yeah. That's 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 been a very interesting learning and one that I, I never thought I'd have to undertake.
1: So I had a conversation with someone about the importance of relationship building. And it we were actually talking about our families. I'll tell you a bit of an interesting story for me throughout COVID. I have come to realize, hmm, if they're listening, I know they will all do a collective Mhm. Yeah, we agree. I had gotten myself so wrapped into I've created so much self-worth around my work and what I did every day and I'll be vulnerable in the discussion. Maybe even becoming obsessive about just constantly being busy, you know? Like I need to always be doing something. And I Maybe subconsciously, Marla, let that become an excuse for distance from the people that were close to me, like my family, mm-hmm. um, my mom, my sisters, my aunts, my cousins. And even in the early days of COVID, I was very selfish about the time. And you, we talked about this at the beginning, being blessed. You know, mm-hmm. for folks like me, you know, I don't want to speak on behalf of you, those early weeks were like, whew. I don't have to get on a plane for a while. I can just like actually wake up and be stable for a little bit. I'm, I'm gonna take advantage of it. But slowly but surely, I started to realize the value of relationships throughout this entire process and did a little bit of sort of reality check about how I didn't spend enough time developing those with the people that were very close to me. And so that doesn't have to be your story per se, You know that's my truth. But I guess I'm wondering what have you discovered about yourself in this process that maybe you wouldn't have discovered if you didn't have this sort of elongated period of reflection that we're all going through?
0: Yeah, that's interesting. Um, I mean, I think that I probably undervalue and didn't think enough about what you get in those moments that are not meetings, Mm -mm. that are in the bathroom, in line to get food in the cafeteria, after work, walking to your car, getting a drink, whatever. That's where realness happens because people are breathing. Mm -hmm. You let down your guard and you actually have a dialogue that you wouldn't have. That's not scripted. That's not on an agenda. That's not in a conference room. And that's where you really get to know people. And so I didn't realize the power of those in between pop my head in your office. Hey, Jason, do you have five minutes? That's where conversations happen that you're like, aha, I didn't know that about him. I maybe didn't realize what he was thinking about, what motivates him. Um, those those are so powerful. And that's really what helps us work well together. And the absence of that has, has been really interesting. And then on the home front, I'm always there. Mm-hmm. And so- The counterbalance, what I'm lacking, and I feel like I wish I could get more of, I have the kid running through the kitchen on their way out the door, and I'm on mute, and I just get a couple minutes that I can say, where are you going? What's going on? How are you feeling? What do you want to talk about later? And I never would have had that. Hmm. So I'm seeing that as huge upside, because those moments are fleeting, and then those kids are going to be gone, and I will never have those opportunities again. So What I'm lacking on one side, I gained on the other. Uh, Mm -hmm. And that's been just really enlightening to see how you can fit those little moments, which you need to do with teenagers anyway. They talk on their time schedule, not yours.
1: (laughs) That's right. That's right. I mean, good luck getting them for more than one minute. Seriously, you know?
0: Yeah. Now,
1: now, the other element of that is gratitude and being thankful for that because- when you're running and gunning, there's not a lot of time to sit back and go, whew, I really appreciate that. And you've always been someone that I've looked to for lessons on gratitude, appreciation, being thankful. And I just wanted to know where that came from, whether there were influences on you as a young person, experiences you had early in your career how did you become such a grateful person? And you will probably look at me and go, Jason, stop. But I really mean it, your personality and the energy that you bring into, even now people can't see you, a wonderful, genuine smile on your face and that's what people know you for. And I have to imagine that didn't just happen yesterday. There had to have been some roots and experiences that kind of brought you to this contribution and energy that you bring into a room where would you say that sort of originated? And are there any significant stories that you think you might want to share with the folks that are listening?
0: Yeah, you know, I think one of my biggest stories about gratitude is probably, um, so right after I graduated from college, I um, I made the decision to move to San Francisco. Mm. Uh, my roommate from college moved out there and she needed someone to come get an apartment with. It was just too expensive for her to do on her own. And she's like, come out, you know, just come move out with me. We'll live in the city together. I can move away out of this fraternity house that I'm living in with my brother and his friends. It'll be awesome. So I packed my car up and I drove across the country. Uh, and that's when I first started in advertising. I didn't have a job, but mm. I figured, you know, I'll, I'll find one. And I found one in an agency which was um, just, it was, it was lucky. It was such a great start and I loved living there. But when I was, i was so it was in San Francisco and it was uh, about a year in and my dad got sick and my mom called and she said, you know, your dad has a broken rib. I'm like, well, that's super random. What, what, why would you have a broken rib out of the blue? Didn't get hurt, nothing. Well, you know, that we started down the path of that led to a million tests to him being diagnosed. He was diagnosed with cancer. He had multiple myeloma. Mm.
1: And
0: um, so on the day that he was officially diagnosed with that, I made plans to come home. And I told my job I need to move back to Chicago. They helped me find a role back in Chicago and field office, packed the car back up, drove back across the country. And uh, got back home and uh, moved back in with my parents because you just don't know. You have no idea what does that mean. He could have hmm. a year, five days, but I was gonna maximize what I could get because I didn't know how much I would get. So um, I got six months. Wow. so it was six months with him that had wow. I stayed living remotely would have been on the phone. and there were no cell phones and there was no FaceTime. It would have just been very difficult. and, Uh, I didn't want to lose that time. And so I've always been unbelievably grateful. I made that decision when I made it, I got those months that I wouldn't have had. And it just taught me if, you know, time and time with people that you love is literally everything. There's Mm. nothing more important than that. And I will never, and then that set with the course of my future career where I would live. I didn't wind up moving back to San Francisco after my dad passed away, stayed in Chicago, um, you know, the next job I got, the, the man that I met, the getting married, everything uh, my course of my life changed, but never will. I, it starts from a place of unbelievable gratefulness that I made that decision. And I got the six months that I got. And I, I, I've think I've thought since then, when you make decisions, make it based on what's the most important thing. And that's the most important thing and something I could never recapture.
1: Gosh, <clears throat> this is a big reason why i know we're sort of aligned in the stars because i share a very similar story marla and that i spent a lot of my career in new york like i mentioned when i first came across you i was visiting chicago yeah. and i can remember um making a decision to return home to chicago for a very similar scenario in which my father, who is no longer with us, was experiencing some difficult times. And I can remember feedback I'd gotten from folks about my career, you know, and wishing me a lot of luck and making sure I can take care of my family. That's one of the things that one thing I can say about our industry. You can say whatever you want about it. It's hard to find a space in which we don't support each other and our love for our families, Mm -hmm. right? Would you agree? Absolutely. Very big thing about what we do. And I got nothing but support. But as I got to Chicago, people questioned whether or not I should stay. You know, is this a place that I can truly grow my career? You know, everything is happening in New York or San Francisco. And, you know, you should think about this, Jason. Maybe maybe Chicago is not the... Place for you. And for me, I didn't. People said I was taking a risk. I didn't see it as a risk because you know why? I was making a decision on behalf of what mattered most, what meant the most to me being near my family, being able to support my family. And I just trusted in the process that yeah. the rest would kind of work itself out. And I take you as a risk taker as well. And it sounds like you were from the beginning. Traveling clear across the country with no job, okay? I mean, I got I got some side eye from my parents. <laughs> they
0: thought I was I lost my mind for sure.
1: I mean, for a podcast sake, hey, you could have sprinkled in some fantasy. Well, I, I had one lined up, maybe, <laughs> But gosh, what risk? You know that is, and it takes us because you knew, I'm sure. You didn't know exactly what that was going to produce, but you were following your heart. And that produced a career of success and sounds like a life of success. So I guess I just wanted to ask you, what do you think about this word risk, especially in these times where many people are confronted with, I just need to be stable. I I can't, I can't afford to be thinking about the next thing or, you know, I just can everything be stable and safe for a while? But you have to internalize risks in order to reap the rewards in life and in profession. And so I just wanted to pick your brain, Marlon, how you've approached this word risk in both your life as well as your profession and how it's maybe shaped the way that you approach decisions that you make.
0: Yeah, sure. I mean, I think that you you have to pick your battles. At that point in time, you know, I'm early 20s. I'm not responsible to anybody. I'm not married. I have no kids. And the biggest thing that I was balancing was looking down the road. I didn't want to have regrets. Hmm. And if there's ever a time to take a risk, it's when I was I'm beholden only to myself. And so I have only to worry about myself. And I just always think, hey, you know, I was brought up curious mind, always be learning. If you want something, go get it. And yes. so, uh, I, I just followed those principles, which is, you know, came from my parents. I would say, and uh, at that stage, I didn't want. I pictured myself in the future, and I didn't want to look back and say, "You didn't take this chance because you were scared." And, you know, you know, this is a chance for you. And at that point, everybody was fine on the home front. When I decided to go do it, I just said, "I got it. I have to do this for me, so that later on, I can say." you wanted to try something, yes, it, you're, it was, it certainly was a risk. And it was, it was a lot. I drove across the country by myself. And, um you know, I had a nice soft land. I had someone that I knew there, but I figured that I could do it. And I didn't want the regrets later to say, mm-hmm. you didn't try. And what if you had tried that? What would have happened if you tried that? I don't want to say those words. So that pushed me. And that was the right time to do it. Because later, um, you know, once you have the kids that you're responsible for, it gets harder and harder because there are other risks that I would have liked to have taken. You know, I had wished, I wish that I, I had chances later on in my career to go live in another country, um, to, you know, live in South America, get more proficient with Spanish language and, you know, just have an entirely different experience by the time i embraced that thought though it was just it was much more difficult i was much mm-hmm. less nimble and i had to prioritize different things in my life so i think it's just weighing the balance and figuring out what you can do when and looking looking at the future and saying when i look back how am i going to feel about this what am i going to say to myself
1: yeah i love the i love the not <clears throat> regretting you know and sometimes we can't avoid that i mean regret can often be looked down upon. And I think that's just a reality of what we do, right? That That's just a part of life. But I believe curiosity is something that can guide risk-taking. Constantly wanting to learn something new, constantly wanting to challenge yourself to see if you can, you know, stretch your limbs as far as you possibly can and this is fact your career trail is filled with curiosity filled with it i mean if you follow the work you've done good luck finding a traditional route i mean you've really and i don't know how you came to make a lot of your decisions but whether it be traditional work and then into multicultural work and then you know into um, digital and, and programmatic i mean, i mean it, it it just seems like you have always had a sense of curiosity uh and i hope that's a fair assessment and mm-hmm. if so you know what keeps you so curious what 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 keeps you so hungry for new reinvention new creativity it because you could you could just you you could just rest on it if you want it, Marla. You could you could just pack it. Hey, listen, I'm I know what I'm doing. I could I could just find Ray Rolls and just kind of go at it. But it just seems like you will not stop and you're constantly curious. And I, I just wanted to understand where does that come from and how does how is that why is that such a big part of your approach today?
0: Well, I think it's just it's how it's how I grew up. That's that's from a very young age. I'm going to say this comes from um, my parents. Hmm. So uh, my dad was a professor and electrical professor of electrical engineering. Hmm. He um, his undergrad degree was double E. His master's was physics, and his PhD was in electrical engineering. (laughs) So um, yeah, no slouch whatsoever, right? Always, you know, everybody says their dad is the smartest guy in the room. Well, I think my dad was the smartest guy in the room, (laughs) always. Um, And then my mom was also a teacher. Um, She taught uh, English and reading. So between the two of them, it was just Getting corrected on your grammar, every single sentence you said, if it was not said properly, it was going to get corrected and you were going to say it again correctly. And then if you asked a question, my dad probably did know the answer because he was just unbelievably intellectual to a fault. Mm -hmm. But the answer was never the answer. The answer was go find that answer. Mm -hmm. Go look that word up. You know where the dictionary is. Go pick up that dictionary. And there was no Google, of course. There was Mm -hmm. no easy way to find the answer. But his answer was always, I'm not going to give you that. I want to talk about that with you. I want I want to get to that answer, but I want you to go find it. So you've got books. You're know, you you're taking this class. You're taking that class. Go get that book. Go get the, get the encyclopedia. Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> there we go. There we go. was
0: such a thing then. Um, <laughs> go look this stuff up. Come back to me. Tell me what you think, and then we'll talk about it. And so it was, there was just no way around learning. Learning was just the cornerstone of everything in our house. And so that pushed me to, you can find the answer yourself. You need to be curious curious enough to wanna to know what the answer is. And then again, you are just capable. You're capable. You're gonna go figure this out. You're gonna come back to me and then we're gonna talk about it. And I had it on both sides and I think it was just unbelievably lucky that you know growing up with two teachers that was just the method and that's it probably
1: just never left me capable 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 first i want to i wish i grew up in a home with your dad um, <laughs> i think we miss i think we undervalue the importance of working towards knowledge right yeah. it's easy it, it it's easy it's easy now I stayed at home with my kids, Marlon, and my four year old can just go, Hey, Google, yep. what's the answer to anything I have in my head? You know? Yep. And, uh, you know, I, I don't judge better or worse, but there is a power in actually seeking that knowledge, participating in that process, and then the satisfaction of actual discovery is pretty, pretty amazing, isn't it? Um, and that discovery also feels really good when you start to discover that you are capable, that you can do this, you can win at this. You have the answers in some scenarios. And something about you also is, even if I go back to that first encounter, is entering a room, entering a space and feeling confident and capable about what you bring to the table, being your whole self. And it's something I've been asking people about are there times that you can remember from your youth or even professionally? And maybe I'll share a story to, to, to kind of prime this one a bit, where you felt like I have arrived or I am now capable. And I, 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 I share a story for me. When I think back to my early agency days, Marla, you know, I would go into rooms terrified, like, I had all the information. I had it all in my head, but what did they? People fear public speaking more than they fear death. I think is something that someone says, and I was one of those people. But I started to have these moments where the more I prepared, the more I went into public speaking engagements, the more I became comfortable with the content, and and I, you know, I can even remember moments where I walked out of there going, "Okay, well, I, I, I think I got this." So. Maybe a similar question to you if you think about your career and some of the ups and downs are there any moments that you can reflect on and think wow that's really when it all kind of came together and i felt like i'm capable i've arrived
0: interesting you know i don't know if i have an i'm i've arrived moment um i've always been more comfortable uh public speaking hasn't been something that's been as terrifying for me i actually kind of enjoy it uh there's been times in my career where you know somebody requests uh, a ted style talk and Mm. i find ted talks fascinating i absolutely love listening to them and i did a lot of prep to be like okay what's a good ted talk what does this take and ted never has i don't know if you um if you know if you do a ted talk there's never there's no such thing as a teleprompter there's nothing you're that is that is a given Mm. And if you ask people how they get good at it, they just say they literally have said it so many hundreds of times that it's just like sitting down and talking to you and there's mm-hmm. no notes to look at because they've got it so polished and so perfected that they could, it's it's just like nothing. It's like sitting across the kitchen table. And so I've had some some moments where I've practiced for things like that and I felt like, okay, I have now rehearsed this and said this so many millions of times it just feels super comfortable to me and I love that feeling of delivering a speech and it's been in a couple of different instances but um that that part hasn't been as challenging for me the thing that I that I've had people tell me that I that I like is the um being able to make other people who are sitting across from you feel comfortable when they're not and so I volunteered myself in a couple of situations. Um, one was uh, there's a class in our middle school, and my kids were in middle school called Career Connections, and okay. they have the kids prepare as to write their own resume. They have to come come with a resume, and then they go through an interview process. And they hmm. ask parents who are professionals to come in and help these kids interview so that they can be prepared for when they're interviewing, they're interviewing real life, present their resume, talk about their capabilities, get them ready, even at an early age of 13 or you know whatever, 12 or 13 years old. So I volunteered myself for this. And um, these kids are terrified. I mean, talk about walking, they are, terrified of what you're (laughs) having them do here. They're (laughs) incapable of articulating what they wanna do. They have no idea what they wanna do. They've been forced to put together this resume. They have no idea what to say. And they sit down across from you and they they are bug-eyed, they are deer in headlights, they don't even know what to say. And I managed to figure out how to get these kids talking and feeling comfortable and owning what they do know and talking about their resume and just more at ease i think when they left before they came in and i wound up being requested as can you come back assistant uh-huh. because they asked the kids who who helped you in this process who who did you like who who would who did you learn from and i kept every year they were like you're the first person they ask for, will you please come back and do this again? And I yeah. feel like that's just a huge compliment um, even more than professionally where I felt comfortable in that regard, but making someone else feel comfortable that they could talk about themselves when they're so terrified. and I felt like good was done that day when I left after you know each of those sessions. and um, that just always that make, that makes me feel good because that's a really hard place to be in at a really awkward age. And I just love being able to be helpful.
1: And it also speaks to your values and what you see as being most important to you. Right. Um, It sounds as if you're not finding your purpose through the sort of thin line of work every day. Things are much bigger than that in this world, you know, and it extends well outside of our profession, our deliverables, right? And experiencing growth and sort of development with young people is quite amazing. So it sort of brings me to a question in these times, which is with us being home and uh, being limited in our experiences, finding inspiration is a little bit more challenging than it may have been in the past, or at least it requires a bit more creativity to to find new inspiration. Um, So I wanted to ask you in these times, where are you finding inspiration? Where are you finding um, creativity? Where are you finding um, the enthusiasm to continue to reinvent yourself, keep that curiosity, support young people, What's inspiring you these days?
0: Well, I mean, a couple of things that I've really made a priority while we've been at home so many days, and, and really, we haven't had the chance to do normal interaction with people. I mean, it's just, it's missing. Totally. Um, so one thing that helps me a lot, that helps me just free my mind and get good ideas and think about what, what's purposeful for me is um, is working out, uh, running, walking. And you know, before, when we would actually go into an office, I would say the same thing. You're never on your own, in your own head to be able to think about what, what's the next plan. I would get really just inspired, get great ideas. It's, you're free. It's just you, it's the road, music in my ears, and it really helps me think. Mm. So uh, I've made that still be a priority, to continue to do that, stay as active as possible. I just feel better, it's better for my mind and for my body both. Good. So, I've been doing quite a bit of that while we've been at home because I can just throw on my shoes and go outside. And just being outside is everything. <laughs> we've never realized how important it is to get outside. I know. <laughs> um, I know. So, I've been doing that. And, uh, you know, we always say we have no time to read. Well, we can't do anything else, and our social lives close down a little bit. I've been reading. And yeah. Love Tell me reading. More.
1: Tell me more.
0: So, um, I, I just finished Untamed. Yes. 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 Did you read it? Yes,
1: I did. It's a great book.
0: It's so good, right? Uh
1: huh. Uh huh.
0: So good. Um, It just it just pushes you in all sorts of ways, and um, you know her her thoughts just generally about her family, about her work, about finding love, about unhinging herself from preconceptions. Just that was super inspiring, and I feel like. I mean, I've been told my whole life. I mean, my God, my mom never stops reading. If you want to go somewhere and you want to travel and you want to invent, just pick up a book that takes you somewhere else. <laughs> and you always hear that, but it's actually really true. So uh, finding time to read is actually been exciting for me.
1: Very good. I mean, and, and, and what a fitting book when you said that. That's yep. why I had a big smile, because a big part of it is sort of doing away with these um, sometimes societally based inhibitions, and some are, you know, self-inflicted inhibitions. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what I wanted to pick your brain on, Marla, is you being a very successful woman in our industry, an executive in our industry. Um, also, you know, a woman that shares, Uh, a, a shared parental household in your home and everything that you do in my opinion as a hero of mine it exhibits the power and the opportunity and the grace of womanhood however I have to imagine in some instances even in these times that isn't always the response and something that I've been I've taken on for myself in 2020 and and before as well is a rich, rich compassion and a commitment to more equity in how we think about gender roles, not just in work, not just in work. I mean, I'm sitting at home, Marla, and I've got these two little kids an eight and a four-year-old. So I'm going to be completely frank with you. I got my four, my eight-year-old and I'm now coming to a very hard realization of, oh yeah, I thought it was cool going to work every day and my wife would help me out and take care of the kids and keep them in school. And I thought, you know, okay, I guess that's maybe, you know, we have a equal working household. My wife works, I work, but I'll be completely frank. I certainly wasn't putting in as much as I could with some of the things with our kids every day. And I'm looking at this and I'm thinking to myself, if I'm a woman in these times, I'm trying to keep my work. I'm trying to keep my kids going. I'm trying to make sure that our household is set. There is an imbalance in our culture these days, you know, around these gender responsibilities. And I think they sometimes show up in work. But for you, you've kicked all that stuff in the ass and said, all right, okay, bring it on because I'm going to beat it. I'm going to beat any bias against gender, anything. And I'm going to show you that I can accomplish this no matter what you put on me. And I guess I just wanted to maybe provide some inspiration to other women that are listening to this discussion with you, someone that they look up to. You know, how have you sort of approached um, exhibiting confidence, exhibiting control, exhibiting um, partnership, you know, as a woman in both your personal relationships, your professional relationships, and how was that contributed to your success, especially for women that are looking for ways to to achieve and deliver the results that you have, considering some of the barriers that may be in front of them?
0: Yeah, no, it's 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 a really good question. It's a, it's a ripe area for discussion. You know, I was very, very lucky because you know, at a time when I was rising up and continuing to to strive to get to the next level, the next level in my professional career. I was so fortunate to work for and with women in the same position that I was in. You know, it was I think of this this time in my career when I was, you know, middle, just you know, starting to get a little bit more responsibility, but looking at the next stripes that you want to earn. Hmm. I worked for a woman who's tremendous mentor and um, ultimately close friend. and we built something inside the company in which we worked and it was a, you know, its own entity, its own division. And we were a powerful group of women. And it's very interesting to have a women led entity and all women and mm. all working moms at the same time feeding yes. off of each other. And it was just, it was just so inspiring to, for us to, cause we had each other, mm. we had each other to, bounce ideas off of to figure out how do you strike that balance I mean I'll never forget coming that I had my first um child my first daughter and I came back to work after maternity leave and I looked at my boss and she'd already had she had children ahead of me and uh, so she was more experienced in how you juggle this and I just looked at her and I said I just how do you do this mm. this is insane I mean I'm exhausted. I'm supposed to function the next day, I can barely see straight. And she just looked at me and she said, you've got this, and it's going to get better. You're Mm. going to be great. Mm. And it did. And it does. And I just with her help, and with the help of the other women on our leadership team, we I, I just saw if they can do it, I can do it. And I just you just keep at it. And it does get better because you get more confident when you're a new mom you're not confident you know you're, you don't know what you're doing you don't know what these little people need from you and the more that you um are in it and then you know i had then i subsequently had two more children you just get more confident of what you're doing and that allows you to see hey i do have this i can do this and so um you know that just built on itself but i do remember early on thinking how does anybody do all this and then you just have support you ask questions you you ask someone who's been there and you get encouragement and you and we really we, I got through it with them and um it was just it was it was not easy but it was worth it and i've wound up talking with women many women who are in that position of how do i balance all this because this is really hard and it, it does fall to women you know you that that book and that movie i don't know how she does it yeah. That's about yeah. a woman. That's about a mom. And that question falls to women. How do you get it all done? And your support, the expectation is that you will and you do. Um, and how you get there, it's not easy. It's not easy. And you have to let yourself off the hook sometimes. There's gonna to be toys all over this floor. This house is not gonna be completely clean, but they're good, they're healthy, they're fine, and I'm getting my I'm getting it all done.
1: <laughs> yeah, I you know someone asked me, well, if I were to look towards Whatever the new normal will look like, you know, I am certainly no Nostradamus. And if I tried to be, whew, we'd all be in trouble. But I do hope that whatever the future looks like, there is a reimagination in how we think about um, gender balance in our workplace, gender balance in our ecosystem, our, our world, and also a greater. Perspective on childcare. I really, really do. You know, hearing you talk about small moments, watching your teenager just run out the door to go somewhere. Yeah, you only get one minute with them, but at least not having any, you know. Yeah. And that's something that I hope we start to really appreciate more and, and find some ways, Marla, to institutionalize that a bit. You know, shouldn't be celebrated for allowing folks to spend more time with their family and, and like we talked about with our fathers, spend time with our family and do what's right. And so I hope that's something that maintains and, and sort of sustains as a result of what we're experiencing this year, for sure. You know, so what I would like to ask you, Marla, as we close, because I can keep you forever, um, <laughs> is you know that you inspire me and you inspire many, many people here. And as much as I want to pick your brain on all the amazing work you're doing, it's so hard for me not to, because I love hearing your story. Maybe one way to peek at that is to hear your mantra, words that you live by, a code of sorts that guides your contribution and relationship with the world. If you don't mind sharing that with me, I would love to hear.
0: Okay, sure. Um, I think this one, I'm crediting my parents for a lot, I'm realizing in this conversation. <laughs> this one comes from my mom. She is very big on um, do the little things. Do the little things. The things that show that you're listening, the things that show that you're tuned in, that you care. You know. You notice that You know. I'm, I'm watering my plant and I'm using this ridiculous Dixie cup where I could be using a watering can and my mom shows up at my house. I think you can use this. Just the noticing the little things that could make life easier, that could make someone smile, that could make someone's day. I try and think about that. And I try and think about, you know, when you're really listening, she said this was hard. How could I make it easier? She said she could really use someone to pepper up, write a note. She's going to need a, you've got this, the morning of a big test. The little things that just show that you're tuned in and you care and it means so much to hear And you don't realize what it means until you do it. And sometimes it doesn't take it doesn't take a lot for that quick message, that voicemail, that, you know, quick order on Amazon, what you can do to just help make somebody's day better and show that you you care. And those are often just the little things in life. Wow.
1: Well, I couldn't end it on a better note. Marla, I'm so thankful for you giving me much valuable time in your schedule. I know that there's not a lot of space. So thank you so much. I really want to say you have been an inspiration to folks like me. Um, I watch what you do, not just in work, but professionally and how you do pay attention to the little things and how you react to people, engage with people, show such gratitude. Um, And I just want to tell you that I appreciate you and everything that you're doing. and, And thank you so much for giving me a little bit of your time today. I really appreciate it.
0: Oh, thank you, Jason. You're wonderful. Thanks so much. I always appreciate talking to you and I always learn. It's always great to see your smile.